Hey, story side, how many of you are thankful to be in God's presence today? Thankful for his faithfulness, thankful for his goodness. I'm really excited about continuing our seated series. I have been loving these last couple of weeks as we have talked about the importance of chairs in our lives and how we handle them. Before we get started today, I want to pray over our children, our students that are going back to school. And we have got, whether it's pre-K, kindergarten, elementary, middle school, high school, college, university, we have some that are taking online classes, we've got school houses, we've got homeschoolers. Uh, we just have a wide range and spectrum of people in the next week or two uh, that will be going back to school, not just our children and students, but even our faculty, teachers, coaches, uh, admin. And we want to pray God's blessings. We want to pray for God's hand to be on this school year. That not only will the angels of God protect and watch over and guard, uh, not only will minds be alert and aware, and it's going to be a good year, but also that we will all be salt and light. That when we go into those locker rooms, those classrooms, those lunchrooms, that the Holy Spirit of God is at work in our lives. And when we show up, light shows up. Uh, the Bible talks about the salt of the earth. And so we want to pray for that today. They tell me statistically uh, that we are around 1.5 million students uh, that we have here in Ohio, 106,000 teachers, 3,685 schools, 600 uh, school districts. And so we just want to be praying for the state of Ohio. We want to be praying for our children. And so if we can, all over the room today, uh, let's, just, let's just lean in right now to this moment and ask for God's blessings on this school year. God, we thank you so much that we have the opportunity to pray that we can actually, the Bible says that we can call out or cry out and you will listen. And so we pray even today, we pray for this school year, whether it's the teacher, the student, whether it's the homeschooler, the schoolhouse, whether or not it's someone in pre-K or kindergarten, all the way up to someone in college or university. Statistics say 70% of students could veer or turn from their faith in college uh, and university years, but we pray against those numbers and statistics. I pray your protection is around them. I pray your peace is with them. I pray your Holy Spirit is going to go with them. They're not alone, that you are on the inside of them and greater is he that is in us. I believe that today. Greater is he that's in our sons and daughters. Greater is he that's in a teacher or a coach than he that is in the world. And we pray these prayers today in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. Amen. Uh, we are going to be talking today on the subject as we continue the series on the subject seated. Everyone say seated. Let's say it one more time together. Seated. Uh, I heard the joke, speaking of seated, I heard the joke, uh, and it's a marriage joke, but, but I heard the joke about uh, the little six-year-old uh, girl that asked her mom, she, the little six-year-old girl was actually staring as she's sitting there, she's leafing through uh, page after page of wedding pictures of her parents and the little girl, she's six, she asked her mom, as she's looking and staring at these pictures, she said, mom, did you marry dad because he was good looking? And the mom began to laugh to herself and, and responded, not really. And her little girl said, well, did you marry him for all of his money? And the mom responded, no, uh, definitely not. He, he didn't really have any money. And the little girl thought for a little bit as she was sitting there, she thought for a little bit, and she finally looked up at her mom and said, you must have married him because you felt sorry for him. <laughs> you must have married him because you felt sorry for him. Uh, we're going to talk today not about just sitting and staring at pictures, but but I want to talk about the spiritual implications of staying seated, staying seated in your life. We opened the series by talking about different kinds of chairs that we could get up out of, uh, out of the chair of grieving uh, with God's help, out of the chair of 
the emotional roller coaster up and down. Maybe it's that bar stool chair and, and dealing with sin or shame in our life. We talked about the lazy boy chair, the business chair, how we can get so preoccupied with work and our schedules. And then last week, we continued uh, the seated series and, and we talked about, again, the importance of chairs in our lives. Today, I, I don't want to talk so much about chairs we get up out of, uh, chairs that we stand up from. I want to talk about the, the seats that we need to stay in and the chairs that we need to commit to. And I've been so excited with the team as we have been preparing for this message. I believe God's Word is going to speak to you today. I'm asking you to lean in, to engage, to respond. Uh, I think sometimes if we can block out distractions and just let God's Word speak to us, it is life-changing. These moments can set the course really for our whole, our whole week, uh, our month, re really even our lives, that these prayers, these passages, these times together, they really are uh, that big of a difference maker in our lives. They say, according to studies, that people spend about nine plus hours a day sitting, sitting, nine plus hours every day, you and I are seated. They say on average that people will sit somewhere around 63 or 64 hours a week. Sitting is often strongly encouraged in certain times in our lives. You will see here on the stage beside me is a chair with seat belts. And this is a race chair. This is a seat that we would find when you are in a race car. And so there is all kinds of harness gear. There's all kinds of protection. There's all kinds of seat belts and equipment that would keep us in the chair. You and I would find that it's not just a seat or a chair like this. If, if you're on a roller coaster, I was recently with our family, our children at Cedar Point, and when you get on a roller coaster, they will strap you in, they will make sure that it is solidified, that it is safe, and then they will encourage you to stay seated until the ride comes to a complete stop. Whether or not it's up, down, side to side, maybe you even get a little bit nauseous like I have before, but, but it's going to tell you, don't get up. Don't, don't prematurely move from the seat. Don't, don't take the belts off. Don't take the protection away. You need to stay seated. Sometimes, whether it's a show or a performance, again, they will tell you, we're asking that you would stay seated for the duration, for all of it. Don't, don't, get, don't get up. We... My wife and I, we were on a plane just recently. I was doing some con uh, consulting and sharing at a church, and, and we were on the plane traveling uh, to this church. And as we were traveling the plane, I, I feel like over the years I've, I've had the opportunity to travel a lot of places, and whether or not it's been a place like Frankfurt or, or maybe Hyderabad, India, whether or not it's been, you know, places in North America. I've had craziness, you know, when, when I was flying into Chicago, one time in Boston circling, another time in Atlanta. Uh, we didn't even land, we were going to Atlanta. And after several attempts to land, they actually rerouted us to Chattanooga and we landed there. I've had some unique situations like that. But the other day, arguably, uh, is the number one uh, time that, that in my travels, I have actually began to be afraid. I've had fear when we were in a small plane with pastor friends of mine and we hit a storm. The other day, the plane began to go side to side. A lot of times it'll up and down and, and drop and shake, but this time it began to go side to side. And as it went side to side, it actually, I got Angel's attention, it began to take a downward turn to the right. I watched as people around me began to probably sense some of the same things that I did. 
I watched in front of Angel and I as a husband reached over and took his wife's hand. I heard a guy behind me, I didn't turn and look, but I heard a man behind me say, I will never fly again. And you could sense in the airplane, you could sense some of the emotions that were taking place in that moment. I watched as the stewards and stewardesses, the, those that were working on the plane, I watched as they began to take their items and carts and put everything up very quickly. In that moment where you could just feel the tension on the airplane, the captain came on. And it wasn't just a quick, make sure you're, you're not up going to the restrooms. He began to say, I've never heard a captain talk as transparent as what he did. He said, I realize that it's rough. I realize that there's a lot of movement. And he began to really address what we were all sensing and feeling. And then he made the statement, he said, I, I believe that it's going to be for the next 50 or 60 miles. He gave us a timeline for the next 50 or 60 miles. And then he continued and he said, if you will stay seated, seatbelts on, in the next five or six minutes, in the next five or six minutes, I believe we're going to be through this 60 mile stretch and everything's going to be okay. It was incredible to see and to sense once it was communicated to us that there is a storm, we're not going to deny, we're not going to pretend it doesn't exist, we're, we're not going to shy away from the fact that we're swerving or even taking the, the, the turn to the right. We're going to acknowledge it and we're gonna ask you to stay seated and you keep your seatbelt on and five or six minutes later, we were okay. How many times in life, whether it's a race car seat, whether or not it's an airplane, or more importantly, when it comes to our spirituality and our faith. How many times that you and I can have the difficult time, the inclement weather, the storm, the struggle, and we wanna jump up, and we wanna get out, and we wanna take matters into our own hands. And how often sometimes we may need to be reminded that it's important that we don't let drama or dysfunction or division, whether it's negativity or criticisms or gossip, whether or not it's the news or social media, we can't always be jumping up from our seat. We can't always be disengaging from the local church or our church family. We can't be in and out and, you know, I'm on and I'm off. We need to stay seated. And that's what we want to talk about in our time together today, that whether or not it's a high or a low, maybe you're in a storm even right now, but those moments where you need to be reminded by God, who is our captain, stay seated. It's not going to last forever. It's not going to be never ending. Uh, you and I can trust the fact that maybe it's not in five or six minutes, but that if we'll stay seated, that faithfulness is something that can play out as a positive for you and I in our lives. I wanna to read to you from Acts chapter number one, our verses of scripture today, two verses from Acts chapter number one and two verses from Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter one, verse four and five says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem Notice this, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days. Everyone say a few days. Let's say that again, a few days. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We turn the page to Acts chapter number two, two verses, verse one and two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were, where they were sitting. We're talking about being seated, where they were sitting. 
sitting. Heaven shows up. The power of the Holy Spirit. I feel it even as I say it today. And it touches 120 people that were sitting. When you look at the timeline of Pentecost, and we begin to backtrack to the time, the days, the dates of Christ dying for our sins, where Jesus hung on a cross for you and for me. There is three days between the death and the resurrection of Christ. There is 40 days from resurrection to his ascension, where Jesus was taken up into the clouds, taken up into heaven, the Bible says. There, there's 40 days in that timeline. From the ascension to Pentecost, we have 10 days, 10 days. When you look at this timeline, you will see that in the 40-day time frame or, or that period of time, you will see in Scripture that Jesus began to show himself. He had some interactions, some conversations. The Bible would say there was infallible proofs that was given to around 500 people, that this group of individuals had the opportunity to witness, to be an eyewitness, to be part of the proof that Jesus was not dead, he was alive. And in this timeline, this time frame, we see that Jesus is going to tell them, I want to give my Holy Spirit, I want to give my spirit. It told them prior, I'm with you, but I shall be in you. He said the Holy Spirit's going to come. You need to go to Jerusalem. You need to tarry. You need to wait for the promise of the Father. And somewhere along the line, we go from 500 people to 120 people. I don't have all of the answers today on what we're going to talk about. I just want us to think about the individuals, the people that didn't make it to Pentecost. That in that waiting period, in that wondering period, some, it would seem, decided not to sit, decided not to stay. They made a choice that they weren't committed to the full process, and they missed the moment of Acts chapter 2. When we read these verses of Scripture, why wouldn't, why wouldn't 380-ish, that group of people, why, why wouldn't they? Apparently convinced he was alive. Apparently infallible proofs. Why wouldn't they wait for the Holy Spirit to come, to show up? Heaven to humanity in Acts chapter number two. Is it possible that this missed moment in the upper room, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm in Israel and one of my favorite stops I'm on Mount Carmel and Mount Beatitudes, and I'm at the place where Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer by the water where he called the disciples. The trip was incredible. Probably with the cross and the tomb, what we're talking about right here is at the top for me when we spent several hours at the upper room. Just that sense of feeling in that building and knowing Heaven, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to witness, the prayer language, the dialect translation, it showed up here. Why wouldn't these 380 people wait it out? How, how do you miss that heavenly moment, the sudden sound? They weren't there for the wind the rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting, they, they weren't there for that. What, what could have possibly caused them to miss the moment 
Although I don't have all of the answers, I, I think a few, a few different angles that we could look at maybe, might, possibly would cause people not only in this account, but in our lives. What causes you and I to miss moments? I think the first would be this, people. Everyone say people. People. I think we can miss moments because of people. I think we can lose our commitment to the chair because of people. I think we don't remain seated. We stand up because of people. One, just one, sometimes, sometimes one simple conversation can convince you to walk away from the chair. I've seen it before. A conversation at a coffee shop, a conversation in a classroom, a conversation in a small group, and people begin to get you and I to question our faith. You don't really believe that Bible, do you? You don't really listen to that preacher, do you? People will begin to question the dynamics, the politics of church or before you know it, you can allow your faith to come under attack. People begin to drop seeds. The Bible says a little leaven can leaven the whole lump, that little foxes can spoil the vine. Hebrews says just the root of bitterness, just the root. Bitterness, once it sets in, will defile you and others around you. How often people the wrong person, that critical, critiquing, negative, divisive, you don't realize it in the moment. You can be at the gym, you can be in a lobby, and all of a sudden they start saying and sharing, and before you know it, it begins to attach itself to you, begins to get on you begins to cause you to second-guess the seat. I feel the Holy Spirit, even as I'm saying it today, begins you to cause you and I to, to second-guess the seat. Before we know it, we're, we're reaching for the seatbelt, and even though we know we shouldn't stand up, and the ride's not over, and it's not in our best interest. I could not even give you a number of the amount of people over the years that I have watched walk away from the chair because of people. The wrong affirmation of our actions. If it was me, I would leave him. If it was me, I would divorce her. If it was me, I, I would stop serving. If it was me, I wouldn't be generous. I wouldn't give. If it was me, and people will begin to give you advice sometimes and it's not good advice. And the wrong affirmation of our actions can be very, very, very damaging. Not all, not all agreement or approval in life is healthy. Just because someone pats you on the back, just because someone says, good job, just because someone says, if it was me, I would do it, that does not mean it's good advice. We must choose our counsel wisely, even as we're getting ready to go back to school. I want to challenge our students today, whether you're middle school or high school or college or university, I I'm asking you to guard your heart against people that do not have your best spiritual interests at the forefront of what they are saying and doing. You, you would almost be, you would be a win for them if they could talk you out of following Jesus. You, you, would, you would be a trophy to them if they could get you to stand up from your seat, to walk away from your spirituality and, and your trust in God. And I want to challenge every one of you as you're listening to God's word today, commit to the chair. Determine right now 
before you ever walk down a hallway, before you ever stand in a classroom, before you ever listened, I'm challenging you right now, keep your faith strong. You get on the football field, you get on the basketball court, you, you get around your buddies and your friends. Don't, don't let anyone or anything convince you to get up out of the chair, but determine even right now in God's presence, this is my year to be a leader. This is my year to stay strong. This is my year to stay seated, to stay grounded. Look at someone today and just tell them, keep the faith. Will you do it? Look them right in the eye and tell them, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Is it possible that some people miss this moment because of someone else, because of people? Yes. I also think that people could miss the moment because of pressure. Pressure. I don't want to read too much between the lines, but maybe in this timeline, three days, 40 days, 10 days, is there pain involved? Do people start thinking, I miss Jesus? I know what he said he's going to do, but like right now today, I, I miss him. I miss how it was. The feeding of the 5,000 the opening of the eyes, the miracle of giving hearing back to a deaf man. I, I, I miss those moments. And sometimes when you begin to get caught up in everything that you miss, it can cause al almost like a, a discouragement or, or a depression. Is it possible that this pressure began to get to them? Maybe it was the unknown. You see, in our past, we're familiar with that. Even right now, we're familiar with how it is right now. But tomorrow is unknown. Next week, unknown. Next month, unknown. While they're waiting it out, did the unknown get to them? Did, did, did they start discussing or dialoguing like, like, I don't know what's going to happen and so I, I'm going to leave? Pressure. My mom made a very profound statement I, I felt the other day to me. We were talking about my boy. He had looked at his, his list for school and who was in his class and who his teacher was and the classes he was going to take. And as he is looking at that list, my boy Micaiah began to hypothetically play out his entire year. He began to tell my mom and I, I think this could happen, and, and I think this. And my mom made a statement to me. She said, some people are mentally bullied before they even get there. Some people are mentally bullied before they even get there. You start thinking, I'm going to struggle in that class. You start thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this job. I just don't see how I could get promoted or I could receive favor. You, you start thinking so, so much that you're already almost as if you and I begin to play God. We get caught up in the future and the unknown that our mind becomes so bullied or so tormented. Is it possible that these people give in to the pressure of the unknown and they walk away? I heard the joke, speaking of unknown, I heard the joke about the young man that's walking along a dusty country road, his gun slung over his shoulder, dressed in camo. As he's walking down this dusty country road, a truck is passing by and the man slows the truck down and he looks at, out the window at this young man on the side of the road and he said, he asked him, he said, what, what are you hunting for? And the young man responded, I, I don't know, I ain't seen it yet. In other words, I, I got a gun, got a bullet, it could be a squirrel, it could be a chipmunk, it could be a groundhog. It, I don't know, I ain't seen it yet. 
When, when I read that, when I listen to that, you know, sometimes that's how you and I are in life. If we're not careful, we're just aimlessly walking down roads of unknown. We're not really sure what's going on. And we have to be guarded. I want to help you today. We have to be guarded in those unknown moments where we don't get up from the chair. Some of you right now could be in a season of life where you're just not sure what's going on. God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. And like right now, you could be saying, Pastor Micah, I don't know what God's up to. I don't even know what's going on in my life. Everything is not making sense. Can, can I just press pause right now and tell you that the devil, the enemy, Satan would love nothing more than to slip into this season of your life and tell you, get up from the seat, get up from the chair, unbuckle the seatbelt. Like, like what a perfect time. God's forgotten about you. God doesn't know where you're at. And, and the enemy could convince you to get up from the chair, but I want to challenge you right now in the presence of God, stay seated, stay seated. Come on, story side, stay seated. You may even want to speak that over your life right now. I need to stay seated. I may want to get up. I may want to jump up. I may be having all kinds of emotions, but I need to stay seated. You have people, you have pressure, and this final one, you have the process. For these people, you have the three, the 40, the 10. You have the culmination of these days, the heaven coming to humanity. For you and I, we go through process all the time. Scripture would talk over and over about and in the process of time and in the process of time. You see, with the process, the weight can overwhelm us. Think about all the, the times in your life where you have to deal with process. A waiting room. A waiting room. drive throughs Some of you, you get antsy and worked up if you've got to wait five or 10 minutes and Wendy's or McDonald's or Taco Bell or you're, you're ready to like cut out of the line and take off because you, you get so frustrated with the process. The process of a doctor's office or more importantly, our relationships and most important, God. That when the process is happening, there's some people that's like, I'm not waiting 10 days. I'm not waiting 50 days. I'm, I'm, I, am not, I am not going to go through the process. When you listen to people that talk about their degree, I went to school for four years or eight years, or there are other people that's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not gonna go through the process. When you hear people say, I've been married 20 years, or, I've been married 50 years. Angel and I have been married for 22 years. And not every marriage is, is always going to have it together. I've never met a perfect marriage. I, I've met marriages that had to forgive. I've, I've met husbands and wives that had to get counseling. I've, I've met couples that had to work on their communicating and dating. And, and, and that's life. It's process. You don't get to 20 years just because. You don't celebrate 50 years of marriage just by happenstance. It's people that are committed to the chair. They're committed to the process. And whether or not it's our education or our relationships and most importantly, our spirituality. There are times that we're gonna be on mountaintops. There are other days we're gonna be in valleys. And sometimes it's gonna seem really clear and other times it's going to look like it's foggy in your faith. But whether we are up or down, we can't constantly be jumping out of the seat and jumping out of the chair. We must commit to waiting, waiting, waiting for the process. When you look at Scripture, Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. My whole being. My thoughts, my emotions, right? Because it's both. He said, my whole being waits. 
Proverbs 20, 22, I love this verse. It says, don't ever say, it's talking about people that rub you the wrong way. Have you ever had someone like that that ticked you off in life? Someone that you thought, I want to take matters into my own hands. I want to choke them, Pastor Mike. I want to give them a piece of my mind. I want to get on social media. I want to say something and I want to tell them. Like Pastor Micah, just one time, just let me see them. Just somewhere, please, could God just like give me a couple of minutes? Listen to what Proverbs says. Don't ever say, I will pay them back for what they did to me. Wait, 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 wait for the Lord. I know we don't like it. We don't like process. Even reading this verse, you could say, but I don't like this scripture. Wait for the Lord. He will make things right. You could hear that verse today and you could say, yeah, but he hasn't done it yet. That's exactly my point. The process is tough. How does 380 people miss out on this holy moment in Acts chapter 2? Maybe the process. Maybe the process got to them and they thought, I can't keep waiting around. I'm out of the line, not just the drive through I'm out of the line and I'm out of here. When you look at Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, those who stay seated, Acts chapter two, they're all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In our final few minutes together, I heard the true story about the female reporter that was interviewing an aged, older minister. And the reporter was asking this pastor several questions, but one of which was, she said, what is your definition? How would you describe commitment and consecration. This older aged pastor thought for a minute. He walked over to the corner in his office, he reached up on the shelf. He took a piece of blank paper and this pastor of many years walked back over to the reporter and his response was this. He said, the best way that I could explain commitment would be that I would sign my name to the bottom of this blank sheet of paper. I would give this sheet of paper back to God and I would tell him that I'm going to trust him to fill out the rest of the details. My signature is my commitment. My name is telling him I'm all in. All of this blank piece and part of the paper is what I'm telling God. You write, you decide, you determine, and I just want you to know that I'm committed. As you have your blank sheet of paper today, I think our nature could be the opposite. We would say, if this, then I'll commit. If this, then I'll tithe. If this, then I will worship. I will pray. If, then. But I think as you have that blank sheet of paper today, I'm asking you, in your commitment to the chair, that you would tell God, even if I don't understand, I'm still going to stay seated. Even if things happen that don't make sense to me, I'm still committed to the chair. Even if there's things that rub me the wrong way, that's not going to cause me to jump up and to get out of the line. I'm going to stay committed to the cause of Christ and to the purpose of God in my life. As we look at this closing part of the message, we see that the 120 of Acts chapter number two, at some point they became the minority. 500, I don't know when 100 left or 200 left, but 
when it hits about 250 and it begins to trend, we see that the 120, they become the minority. At some point, the majority leaves, and I would submit to you today that, that in those moments, staying seated is not always socially acceptable. There's nobody tweeting. There's nobody sharing a story on Instagram. There, there's nobody posting on Facebook, celebrating people who stayed committed to the chair. Look at what sells. Look at what headlines the news. Look at what people talk about. They're gonna talk about who's protesting, who's offended, who's mad, who's upset, who's cheating, who's quitting. Rarely, rarely do you see people cheering on, trending the people who stayed in the seat. But, but today, like right now in his presence, I just wanna celebrate everyone who stayed committed to the chair. I wanna celebrate people who kept the faith. I wanna celebrate whether or not it's been in a relationship, whether or not it's ministry. I know we can talk about who walked away, but I wanna celebrate who stayed. I know we could focus sometimes on the people who abandoned the faith, but I wanna celebrate today the people who have kept the faith, kept the faith. And I, the 120, yes, 380 may, maybe walked away, but 120 people stayed, and you and I are here today because 120 people didn't let someone else, they didn't let the pressure, they didn't let the process cause them to quit. But when heaven showed up, they were waiting with open hearts and open minds, and you and I are here today because they stayed seated. Would you take a moment right now, and all over the room, let's put our hands together and thank God. Come on, story side. Let's thank God for all of the people that have stayed seated in our lives. I thank him for every praying parent. I thank him for every praying grandparent. I thank him for every pastor, every leader. I thank God for people who have stayed seated. Are you thankful today? Are you thankful today? As much as you and I have an appreciation and a thankfulness for those who have stayed seated, I think our responsibility right now today is that we would commit to the chair. I just wonder five or 10 or 20 years from now, who are the people that would look back and say, thank you for staying seated, Micah. Thank you for staying seated, mom or dad. Thank you for staying seated, usher, greeter, cafe worker, parking lot. Thank you for staying seated, per ministry worker. Thank you for staying seated, family member, friend. I know you could have got up. I, I know the storm was probably messing with you. I know the struggle was probably hard, but, but who are the people that years from now will look back and say about you and I, thank you for staying committed to the chair? You see, in our generation, we live in a culture where people speak their minds we have a society that actually celebrates standing up, standing up to authority, standing up, and our, our, our society can celebrate that. They protest. You, you scroll social media, people are angry. If someone disagrees with you and I, it's automatically assumed that it's some form of an attack or an assault on us. It's trendy. Hear my heart today, we're getting ready to pray but it's trendy to be offensive and to be offended. It's trendy, it's cool. You wanna be offensive in your language? You wanna be offensive in how you talk to other people? That's cool. It's trendy to be offended. You're mad, you're upset? Awesome, everyone's doing it. And our society will, will convince us that every time something happens, stand up, walk away, quit. In this holy moment, in God's presence today, I hope that his word is challenging us. Stay seated. Stay seated. Don't give up on your faith. Don't walk away. Don't throw in the towel. Keep yourself in the chair. 
When you look at statistics, whether or not it's the workplace, whether or not it's even school, it's literally in the seconds that it's documented students will not just skip school, walk away from school. More than ever before, we see people that walk away from jobs. But today, my message is not just about people that would walk away from a place of employment or a place of education. Most importantly today for me is I want, to, want us to pray about your faith. Your faith. That, that you would choose to say there, there is nothing there is no one that could cause me to get up out of this seed. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7, Paul says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. The NLT says, and I love this, and I have remained faithful. I, I feel, I, I know I said earlier, I feel the Holy Spirit, but, but even emotions, as I read that last line, I can feel like tears wanting to well up in my eyes. And I have remained not perfect. I didn't always have it together. Maybe that's how you feel today. Like Micah, I don't always have it together. Neither did Paul, but he said, I have remained faithful. I heard the quote by William Clubertson. He said this, it is important, it is important to start right, but it is imperative to end well. I want to stay seated. I want you to stay seated. That's my hope today. That's my prayer today, that you and I will not miss out on Acts chapter 2. I'm symbolically saying that. I, I don't know what God has in store for you, for me. I don't know what our Acts chapter 2 is. I don't know everything that God is working together for good in our lives. But I know one thing, if we're not in the chair, we'll miss it. If we don't stay seated, we'll miss it. If we get bitter or offended or mad or angry, we'll miss it. I love the verse in the Bible that says, Great peace have they which love your word or your law and nothing... Think about that today, and nothing shall offend them. I want to be unoffendable. I want you to be unoffendable. Every time that something says, take the seatbelt off, every time that someone says, stand up, leave, walk away, that on the inside, your heart and my heart, it would rise up and say, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not walking away. See this sheet of paper right here? I committed. I signed my name. I told God. I don't just give you my life when the going's good. I don't just sign up when, when I understand everything. God, I have committed my life to following Jesus, and I am determined not to hear that I made it halfway. I don't want to just make it three-quarters of the way. I am determined to hear, well done. That means finished, well done good and faithful servant. As you take your sheet of paper today, I would like to pray over it. If you would right now, just take it in your hand and just hold it. It's a prayer point. It's just something for you and I to tell him symbolically but spiritually. God, I sign it today. Maybe you've been wavering. Maybe you've been going through a tough time and even the enemy in your mind's been telling you, give up, quit. Whether you're a business leader, whether or not, you know, because I've seen these kinds of storms affect everyone. It's not just young or old, rich or poor, it's all of us. Storms, ups and downs. It has a way of bringing our commitment into question. But as you hold that sheet of paper right now, I want to pray. I want to pray over you that in spite of the questions and in spite of whether it's people or pressure or process that would try to get you out, that you're going to stay in.
and God's going to help keep you in. Will you close your eyes right now and give me the honor, the opportunity to pray for you today? God, as we hold these sheets of paper, whether or not it's a millionaire, whether or not it's a single mother, whether or not it's a student going back to school, whether or not it's a marriage that's trying to hold on, whether or not it's someone that's gone through a tough time and in this dark season right now, everything on the inside of them is telling them, get up from the chair, don't stay seated. God, I pray right now for a settling spirit. I pray that you would settle someone's heart. I pray that you would settle someone's mind. I pray that you would reaffirm their commitment. I pray that as they're, they're going through this, this message today and processing even your word, God, I pray that something would be welling up on the inside of them that is saying, even to them right now, stay seated, stay seated, stay seated, stay seated. And I pray in this prayer time right now that you're doing something special. If they came in here feeling like they were empty or came in feeling like they were done or finished or came in thinking maybe it's over. Faith right now, your Holy Spirit is beginning to infuse hope on the inside of them and letting them know it's not over, it's not over. They can finish just like Paul. They can finish, they can stay in the sea. If there's someone here today that they've never been saved, we're all born in sin, they've never been saved. The Bible says that you can save us, you can forgive us, and you can actually put us in a seat, a chair. You can sit us in heavenly places. If there's someone here today that needs to be taken from that sin and shame and they need to be positioned in that spiritual place with you, God, I'm asking right now that they would make that decision. You don't write a check for it. You don't pay for it. It's a free gift. You've already paid the price for our salvation. And I pray that that person would open up their heart and say, God, save me today. God, I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. And I believe when they cry out, when they call out to you, you will hear them today. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.